General, would you care to step outside? Superman. Superman, thank God. I mean, get him! Come to me, son of Jarrell. Kneel before Zod. I'm Stuart Moraine and I'm a Superman fan, which is lucky because for this year's summer specials we're taking a look at the cinematic adventures of the Man of Tomorrow, from 1978's Superman the Movie to 2013's Man of Steel, with a stop off in 1993 for the Lois and Clark pilot along the way too. There are some super anniversaries to celebrate this year, with Superman himself turning 85, Superman the Movie celebrating its 45th anniversary, Superman 3 its 40th, the Lois and Clark pilot's 30th anniversary, and Man of Steel hitting its 10th anniversary too. So 2023 seemed like the right time to welcome you to our Summer of Superman specials. Whether you're a regular listener or just dropping by for these special episodes, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoy the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the Am Why Not group on Facebook, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this episode, I'm joined by From Crisis to Crisis co-host Michael Bailey as we discuss Richard Lester's 1980 sequel, Superman 2. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. Superman 2. The adventure continues with the three villains from Krypton. Each one with the same powers as Superman. Each one dedicated to violence against mankind. Think of it. Three supervillains. Or four if you count him twice. The adventure continues in Paris with Lois Lane. I believe this is your floor. And the romance continues. The adventure continues in Washington. The world is on the brink of destruction. Superman, can you hear me? And Metropolis is in ruins. Is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? Superman! General, would you care to step outside? Revenge! 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 Now we're cooking, huh? Big one's just as strong as Superman. If you've only seen the first part, 
you haven't seen the best part. The adventure continues in Superman 2. Hello, Mike. How are you? I am fantastic. Good, good, good. How's uh, life treating you? Life is good. I mean, um, got the season finale to Superman and Lois coming up as the as of this recording, and uh, I get to come on here and talk about one of my favorite Superman films. So awesome. that, yeah, that's exciting. I'm still waiting for Superman and Lois to drop here. I'm, it it airs in the UK in the old Lois and Clark time slot, so it ticks all my nostalgia buttons to sit and watch it on a Saturday night. So. I'm yeah, my, uh, not torrenting it or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, my my co-host on uh, the Overlook Dark Knight is in the UK, and he he told me about it being in the Lois and Clark slot and how big Lois and Clark was. Uh, and huge. um, and I I keep telling people over here, I'm like, guys, you, you don't understand. The UK has a fraction of our population, and they consistently beat our numbers in watching the show so it's popular in other parts of the world i assure you <laughs> yeah i think part of us is what saved lois and uh, superman and lois for another season mm-hmm. oh yeah that yeah, was the, a big the, factor in it so yeah, yeah the foreign the, the foreign deals on that uh they, they i think they felt they kind of had to so yeah anyway we're here to talk about superman 2 as anybody who saw the ident on this episode will know so a bit of information about the film Directed by Richard Lester, with some footage still in it. Directed by Richard Donner. Um, written by Mario Puzo, David Newman, and Leslie Newman, with a story by Mario Puzo. And although he left the project when Richard Donner did, the creative consultant was still Tom Mankiewicz. Um, Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. And the film starring Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, Ned Beatty, Jackie Cooper, Sarah Douglas, Margot Kidder, Jack O'Holloran, uh, Valerie Perrine, uh, Susanna York, Clifton James, E.G. Marshall, Mark McClure, and Terence Stamp. Uh, they're all the names that are on the poster. Uh, released in cinemas on the 19th of June, 1981 in the US, and the 9th of April, 1981 in the UK, so we got it earlier for some reason. Uh, quite rare they premiered it a year ahead in foreign markets. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Australia got it in 1980, didn't they? I think that's yeah, why it's so got it's, a 1980 release date. It's kind of weird, though, <laughs> ironically... June 19th, 1981 was the day my wife was born. So yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> every year that comes up and I'm like, guys, I got more important things to celebrate right now. I promise you. <laughs> that what you tell your wife or what you tell other Superman? No, I fans? tell other people. No. <laughs> Just double checking. Yeah, that's, that's I know it's your question. birthday love, but it's Superman 2's as well. So. <laughs> but um, the film grossed $108,185,704 worldwide on an estimated budget of $54 million, according to the numbers.com. And Roger Ebert gave the film four stars out of four, saying, the whole film has more smiles and laughs than the first one. Maybe that's because of the change of director. Richard Donner, who made the first Superman film, did a brilliant job in this, of establishing the basic look of the series, was followed this time by Richard Lester. And this is some of Lester's best work. He permits satire to make its way in, into the film more easily. He has a lot of fun with Gene Hackman as the still-scheming, thin-skinned egomaniac Lex Luthor, and he draws out Christopher Reeve, whose performance in the title role is sly, knowing, and yet appropriately square. This movie's most intriguing insight is Superman's disguise as Clark Kent isn't a matter of looks as much as a matter of mental attitude. Clark is disguised not by his glasses, but by his ordineriness. Beneath his meek exterior, of course, is concealed a superhero, and the movie subtly hints, isn't that the case for all of us? Um, I couldn't find a Barry Norman review for this film, but yeah, so... Roger Ebert gave it the same rating as he gave Superman the movie, so he was a fan. 
sake, if, if only he realized that Richard Lester didn't direct Gene Hackman. It's funny because a lot of that stuff was out there, but only if you were reading Starlog. Right. Um, so I, G, uh, Roger Ebert, brilliant writer, does not strike me as someone who was a monthly reader of Starlog. So. No, no, it's a... Uh... <laughs> Um, so yeah, sort of taking it back to the beginning, what are your members of first see in the film? So my uh, family, um, when I was a little kid, so I was about seven, uh, we were living in this rented house. Uh, we had just moved and we had cable from as long as I can remember. Uh, my mom loved movies. So we always have home, bo- we always had home box office, which, you know, uh, had an app called HBO Max and now it's just the Max, which I think is terrible. Um, but because we had cable, we got a guide in the mail for what was coming up like on HBO and stuff. And I woke up on a Sunday morning when the guide hit because my parents put it on my bed because Superman was on the cover. And it was announcing that Superman 2 was coming to HBO. And that's the first place I saw it. Uh, and because of that, uh, I actually had when I was a kid would watch Superman two more than Superman, the movie, because uh, it was on cable frequently. Uh, so uh, I, I watched it again and again and again. Uh, so I don't remember like the very first time, but I know it was in that rented house. Yeah. Is, did you see this one? Had you seen Superman, the movie already? Was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, a couple years before that. So I was seven and 83 uh, might have been 82. Um, but, uh, a couple years before that, I was visiting my grandparents, uh, down oddly enough where I live near where I live now. And my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, was also a movie buff and he would tape everything off of HBO. Uh, and I had the chicken pox. I was sick and they're like, here, sit down. And, uh, he, he had taped Superman, the movie. Uh, so I, I had already seen Superman, the movie, uh, so, so it's not like Star Wars where I saw Star Wars, then Return of the Jedi, then Empire. Uh, <laughs> I actually watched these movies in the proper order. <laughs> yeah, because with me, I can't remember. I've got a strong feeling that this might have been the first one I watched. This is the one I remember distinctly watching the most as a kid because my mum and stepdad had t- my stepdad had taped it off of telly on old Betamax tape. So we used to look for that tape and put it in the Betamax player and then have to hold our finger down and rewind it for about four hours. Um, but I remember <laughs> watching it. I remember some of the adverts used to be in it, like the old Scotch tape skeleton in the chair, a uh, uh, re-record, not fade away advert and all that stuff. It's the one that sticks in memory the most. I think possibly Superman the Movie was the one I saw the least as a kid. It seemed to be the one you'd always catch the end of on telly for whatever reason. But yeah, so this was the one that really sticks in my head from watching as a kid. And again, I had no idea at the time that, you know, anything was different behind the scenes kind of thing. It's only with hindsight as you get older, you find out more information kind of thing. Yeah, we used to watch it all the time to the point where I discovered adult movies whilst looking for this tape. Because my stepfather, for whatever reason, didn't label any of his tapes going through and trying to find (laughs) Superman 2. And I was like, what's this with naked people in it? And what are they doing? I must have been about seven or eight. So I had no real concept of what it was. I was like, this is wrong. This is wrong. So yeah, in in my quest for Superman 2, I discovered something that I was far too young to discover. But I don't know if my mum actually knows that story. I've never told her. <laughs> that that's uh no, that's hilarious. Um but, wow. I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was not the education I was expecting from Superman. But there we go. 
<laughs> I, I guess the uh, I guess the lesson there is label things. Yes, label your tapes, especially if you know your kids are going to be going through them looking for films to watch. Oh. <laughs> Were you a Superman fan before you saw the movies? How did it go for you, your Superman fandom? Um, I, I always joke about this, that my deep, dark secret is I started out life as a Batman fan. Um, I loved Superman. Superman was uh, just uh, everywhere. Uh, we had the Super Friends on TV, both on Saturday mornings. And by that point, it was in syndication uh, when I was a little kid. So most of the time I could watch it on a daily basis, too. Uh, and you had the Christopher Reeve films. And uh, I had, I know, uh, some bedsheets uh, with the with a Neil Adams artwork on it um that my mom got me but yeah for for uh, as much as i love superman as, as much as i loved these films uh i i really didn't like uh go from old testament to new testament i guess you could say until i was about 11 <laughs> but but the like i the story i told you i i loved the character enough that when they saw that superman was on the cover of something they gave it to me yeah uh so and i wasn't really a big comic book reader at the time yet uh it was mostly stuff on television and movies and such so uh but yeah i was definitely a fan of the character uh by that point no it it was weird because uh you know i was i was like one when the first movie came out so or two when it, the first movie came out so i really wasn't really watching movies uh you know i was getting things like you know speaking and object permanence um were kind of more important at the time. Uh, but it was when I when I was 11 years old that I discovered uh, the John Byrne uh, Superman. Uh, it was about a year after Man of Steel. Uh, and that's when I got into the comics, which retroactively made the Superman films more important to me at that point. Because yeah. uh, that was 87. In the summer of 87, there was Superman 4, uh, which I did not get to see in the theater because it was in and out so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Like I waited a week and it was gone uh, and I ended up seeing Masters of the Universe instead. So I traded one Golem Globus film for another. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I was I was into He-Man, too. So it, it, it was it was a step down, but not like a huge step down. Uh, but that was my first summer of being like a huge Superman fan. So every once in a while, going back to Superman 2, uh, ABC would show like the extended version where you get to see the attack on the white house like the full attack on the white house yeah. with terrence stamp using the machine gun and them cutting back and forth to sarah douglas's voice not being dubbed <laughs> to being dubbed to not being dubbed <laughs> which as a kid i was kind of confused about until i realized oh they they pitched her voice down that's really weird there's some weird dubbing in this film anyway where they clearly couldn't get gene hackman back <laughs> it's just long shots and a sound like but yeah so i mean there are different versions of it we never got the extended version over here to the best of my knowledge or if it showed on TV, I never actually saw it. They released the extended version of Superman the movie on Blu-ray a few years ago um, in this country. I think you had it in the archive collection in America. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's 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 interesting that you said that because I was literally, once again, talking to my co-host uh, who lives in the UK. Uh, and he was, to, we were literally talking, <laughs> it's odd, we were literally talking about the extended version of Superman the movie last night. And he said, we never got it. Uh, which... I guess kind of makes sense because one of the reasons why they released the extended version of one and two is that the Sulkins were basically paid by the minute. Uh, and you all 
didn't really have paid television like that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the BBC wasn't going to show a three-hour version of Superman. <laughs> no, and I don't even think like the ITV channels, which is will have channels that does have adverts in it, would have committed to something mm-hmm. that long. It's a good four so. hours or so out of their uh, evening schedule kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's something I'd be curious to see because from what I understand, it sort of combines the two cuts, which we'll get into a bit later anyway, but not with any real finesse or perfection. <laughs> this film's an odd one for me. I like it, but I find it really plodding in places. I mean, we'll get into the finer details of it, but the pacing's all over the place for me at the beginning. My my big fundamental problem with Superman 2 is in giving up his powers. <laughs> no, it, it's interesting that you say that because a couple months ago, they were having, they re-released Superman the movie into theaters on a select basis. And oddly enough, it came to the town I live in, which is really odd because we never get anything. We are a suburb of a major city, but we still never get anything. And I was shocked. At, like seeing it, seeing it on the television, even my big screen television at this point on Blu-ray, it's not the same as seeing it in a theater. And what struck me about seeing Superman the movie in the theater for the first time is how fast that movie moves. It doesn't seem like it, but man, that thing, like they, they go boom, boom, boom. You know, you you go from the destruction of Krypton to the Smallville scene, to to him landing in Smallville, to Jonathan dying, to him going to the fortress. And it just, it just moves. Whereas this one, because not as badly as like the Joss Whedon cut of Justice League, uh, but they're incorporating a, a, another version of the film with this version so that they could keep like the Gene Hackman scenes. Yeah. And because of that, and because those scenes are from a film that's paced differently than the film we ultimately got, the pacing is a little off. Uh, I'll agree with that. When I was a kid, you know, it's funny how I I accepted so many things as a kid because I didn't know any better. It's just it's just like, yeah, D- it's not Bruce Banner, it's David Banner. Who cares? He turns into the Hulk. That's all I really want to see. Uh, and oh, he's going to give up his powers to to be with Lois. I didn't understand that he wanted to be with Lois. Yeah. Uh, that escaped me as a seven-year-old. Um, which is weird because, you know, they are in bed together. Uh, they're, they're like... Yeah, because he literally gives them up and then they go straight to bed. Yeah, they, so... Into that weird silver <laughs> 70s... Uh, like shiny <laughs> sheets and... Like for, I look at that bed and I'm like, does that look comfy? <laughs> for such an advanced civilization, why do they have like a 70s waterbed in the Fortress of Solitude? <laughs> um, but it, it, it I, I think... Like the first sequence is a really good action sequence, but you really don't have much uh, context for it. Like you literally, Clark literally walks in on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and then we have, I think, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, the best shirt rip of the entire film series uh, in the alleyway, just, just straight right out of a Kurt Swan comic Yeah. Um, of the time period. And then all that's done and it just seems like then the movie starts. <laughs> yeah, I do love that Clark scene in Perry's office and in walking off. office. I like how confident he is. He tosses the hat on the hat stand mm-hmm. behind him and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I do like the exchange between him and Perry in Perry's office. Um, Jackie Cooper was great. 
I'm just really confused why there's a picture of Bill Cosby in the background in his office. It doesn't make any sense. I did some digging into that. Apparently, Bill Cosby was a fan of... He was either a fan of Superman in general, or he was a fan of something Dick Donner had done or something like that. That's why it was in the background. Um, oh, yeah. That. I mean, it's, it's not aged well at all. Or he did a Superman routine, didn't he? Bill yeah, Cosby. he did a, He did a whole routine about Superman. So, so I think I guess that's that... why there's a picture of Bill Cosby. All righty, thank you. Thank you for giving me that information because uh, I never, like, I knew one and I knew the other, but I didn't put the two together. That's uh, that Yeah, somebody else had mentioned it and I was like, I'd never even noticed a picture of Bill Cosby in the background, so I did, <laughs> I, you know, dog with a bone started to do a bit of digging <laughs> on it and, and as near as I can tell it's a tribute to the Bill Cosby Superman routine. It, um, it's 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 almost in a way pacing wise kind of like return of the jedi where return of the jedi starts with them finishing the the you know just saving han and then the movie actually starts where you know and uh, you know we, we get into the whole thing with the to be fair him throwing the bomb into space is what sets the phantom zone villains free but it still feels like different from anything else in the movie yeah because obviously we get the previously on Superman the movie during the opening credits, mysteriously missing any footage of Marlon Brando. The Cause... interminable, like, I, like I, I, I listen to the scores a lot, and it just seems like that just keeps going and going and going. And it's not any longer than the opening credits to Superman the movie, but I think it's just because they keep repeating things and then they go back to the love theme towards the end because they're just showing all of the like the greatest hits of the first film. Yeah. Which is why I always compare the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films to the first three Christopher Reeve films, both structurally and like certain little things. And one of the things that is when you open up on Spider-Man 2, they have the opening credits with scenes drawn by Alex Ross from the first film. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'd be curious to know how inspired by the Superman film Sam Raimi was. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was, I think I love how determined they were not to pay a single dime to Marlon Brando. They just erased you know, it. Like maybe a hand putting the crystal on the thing, but it was, it was really, they, man, the Salkins were something else. It's, it, it's funny how, the worm turns on these things because I remember back in the late nineties and the early two thousands, especially when the movies hit DVD for the first time, there was a strong, and this was on the internet. So, you know, it's not like indicative of the entire fan base, but just the people that were online loud at the time, uh, there was this whole thing of like the Salkins were the bad guys and Dick Donner was the good guy and they ripped him off the film and it's not as good and then suddenly, after Superman Returns comes out, the Salkins aren't exactly uh, redeemed, but it seemed like they were like the people who were doing the behind the scenes stuff were actually talking to them in the present, uh, or at least, you know, Ilya, because Alexander had died by that point. Um, and it seemed like at that point, it became while you had the Donner cut and you still had a division, it seems like now the Salkins get kind of more of a not a pass but at least more credit than they did at one point yeah uh and i think it's just because enough time has passed where the people that were really upset about it are now outnumbered by people who don't care yeah yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's that weird thing that everybody has to paint somebody as a villain it's the same with the whole james bond stuff and all that i think just producers were in it for the money 
Well, Salkinds weren't exactly the most reputable people. There is an entire clause in Hollywood now that you have to tell the actors how many films they're going to be in. Yeah. Because they filmed The Three Musketeers and had enough footage for another movie, so they just did it. Um, And that's one of the reasons why Richard Lester uh, came on to help out Dick Donner on the first one and to take over for this one uh, is because they kind of owed him uh, for all that. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's 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 a weird setup, but I mean, it's one of the things. It's like, wouldn't it be great to make a movie? It's like, would it though? <laughs> it's like, yes, on the one hand, but on the other hand, all the back room dealings and all that stuff. I don't know if I can be bothered with <laughs> that. Sort of sets up where we are. So you get the French terrorists seeing the Eiffel Tower. Uh, Lois distracting a policeman with a French phrase book. <laughs> I, I do love those him. little bits. I love Margot Kidder sneaking behind the car, but everybody can see her from the other side of the car. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I'm just going to set the set my stall out early on this. I actually prefer the Lester cut, uh, mainly because it was the one I grew up with. Um, I'm sure if you have like an option now, there's more of an objective way of dealing with it. But when you grow up, when you're a little kid, and it's the thing you watch again and again and again. Uh, unless it's objectively terrible as an adult, uh, you know, you can kind of, you know, you kind of hold on to it in your heart. And not only a nostalgic level, I just feel like, yes, there are points in this film that are just clumsily trying to be funny. Um, it's not as egregious as Superman three, though. I love Superman three. So that that's, uh, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth on that one. Um, but the whole thing with Lois, Lois getting there and her not knowing that there's a hydrogen bomb <laughs> and her going, well, that could level all of Paris. <laughs> we, it's just like, Oh wow. Like, like Perry made it seem like she, like he sent her knowing that there was a bomb but he didn't tell her that there was a bomb. (laughs) So Perry's kind of a jerk. Yeah. I I do like her hanging underneath the elevator, Mm -hmm. talking about all the different awards she could win. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's how I learned to spell Pulitzer when I was a kid. (laughs) It's it's a long way from the stuff she was writing in the first film. A bloodletting rapist, apparently. (laughs) Well, one of the things that I, I I prefer about this over the first film uh, is actually the relationship that Lois and Clark have. Yeah. Uh, because in this one, and in this one in Superman 3 really informed my opinion of Clark Kent as like a kid. Like it, it formed the basis of what I wanted to see, which is why I think I was primed for John Byrne. Uh, because he was kind of keying off all of these movies as well. And... You know, after after we get the really good effects shot too of of him flying the the shot of Superman flying the bomb up, and it's obviously you know like a figure <laughs> hanging on to something, but it looked but it's far enough away that it looks good, and I um I have a really fondness for all of the Salkine space shots, like anytime they go into outer space for something, it looks really good. Uh, and that kind of continued even into like Santa Claus, the movie. Yeah. Um, and the explosion in space was done very well. Uh, and and I think that's why another reason why I kind of like this, because it's not them getting freed at the end of the first film, which is an interesting idea. 
but now it's you know it's them getting freed by a completely different set of circumstances uh and them not yelling in space but then we cut to the daily planet and clark getting hit by a taxi and no one noticing it's yeah it's there's lots of weird little bits like that um the, the most egregious thing for that is the way lois has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth I don't know if it's just because I'm a very non-smoker guy anyway, but just the way it's hanging out of her mouth where she's squeezing oranges. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the, the ashtray is overflowing yeah. on her desk. It's, like... uh, it's it's gross, but my mom was a smoker, so I grew up around that. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, she smoked Marlboros, so the product placement had meaning for me uh, <laughs> later in the film. But no, I... Um, that whole scene where, you know, he's a little, you know, a little seeming a little jealous of Superman and her just saying, you know, you know, I wouldn't say this because I didn't if I didn't care about you. And I'm like, oh, she's actually recognizing him as a human being. And they have a they have a friendship. Now, she only thinks of him as a friend. <laughs> and she's probably aware that he has a crush on her. Uh, but she doesn't talk down to him or she's not dismissive of him as she kind of was in the first movie. Yeah, I mean, I always feel because I the quality of them varies with the films, but I like all of the Donnerverse films up to Superman Returns as well. Um, even the ones that I think aren't particularly good films, I still enjoy them. It's a bit like James Bond films. It's not really a bad one. There's not one that I don't enjoy. Um, but yeah, it's it's just odd. This one, everything just feels slightly off in this one to me. And it's not a massive thing, but it's just. I think possibly because I've watched them all quite so close together as well, and out of order, um, just because of the nature of how these episodes have recorded, that it's all slightly off. But I do like it. I mean, what do you think of the villains? That scene when they land on the moon always freaked me out as a kid. Oh, it's, something it's, about it's it really unsettling and nasty. <laughs> it, it it's it's really like I didn't I did not get the Boris and I are engaged joke gag when I was a kid. And I just love the fact that we have the the guy that just keeps popping up in Superman films uh, because the the NASA control agent is the same guy as the share as the cop in Superman oh, yes, three. Um, that's like Shane Rimmer. Yeah, that that, that, that fire spreading like <laughs> wildfire. Yeah, Cliff Clavin like like is in it again. Um, I love the shot though in that of him like you know I was in high school when that happened and Shane Rimmer just like glaring yeah. at him, <laughs> but. It is really kind of like they're evil. Yeah. There, there's no question in any, there's no ambiguity to the Zod. This isn't like a Jeff John Zod uh, who, who, uh, who like has this deep backstory. No, they land on the moon and they just start murdering people. Yeah. Uh, and it's not bloody. They're not like ripping. It's it's not like Namek and Man of Steel jumping on that plane, ripping the canopy off and you see him pulping somebody in the background. Um here it's it's a little more it's obvious but it's not graphic uh and i just remember as a kid being freaked out by that dude getting crushed yeah i think it's the fact he's screaming and begging for somebody mm -hmm. to save him yeah i mean like the guy getting kicked out in space yeah he's dead but it's kind of funny at the same time because he's all like yeah (laughs) it's the guy who has his badge ripped off as well that always freaked me to the point where as a kid i was like that gonna happen if somebody like rips the badge off my school jumper or <laughs> is that what happens no, I... if somebody tears your clothes <laughs> and 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 at the same time though it's kind of silly like them driving up on the little lunar module yeah 
<laughs> like, why aren't you flying? But I guess if you've discovered like this alien civilization and you've discovered their conveyance, you kind of want to try it out. Um, yeah, but... it's. I suppose it's a bit like when he gets the shotgun and then shoots himself in the chest with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, I, it's it's a great introduction to to the villains uh, and a great continuation from what we saw in the first movie. Like we're told that they're evil. Now we're actually shown just how evil they are. Yeah. Cause and... it seemed kind of tame by the time they get to earth. I know there's meant to be a deleted scene of the kid in the town riding off on a horse and then killing him. It, um, it It's in one of the extended versions that I've seen yeah. though. It's uh, he, he was a boy who will never grow to be a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen the, I assume it's the boy with the weird English accent. Or a Midwestern thing where he's just dubbed. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> please sir, that's my father. <laughs> please for he's a general. Please, Mr. General. <laughs> Can I have some more? <laughs> but it's that we go from that pretty much to then Lex and Otis in prison. Polar opposite Which... villains. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the more you're talking about it, the more I'm realizing how tonally all over the place this movie is, um, which, again, I can I can love a movie and still see the, like the the flaws and the and the weirdness of it. Uh, I did not get the Liberace record joke uh, when I was a kid. Um, and the fact that the man who says there's a scratch on it has an extremely effeminate 70 late, late 70s, early 80s effeminate voice. Um and just I struggle with Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor as an adult because part of me wants to love it because he's the Gene Hackman he's the Lex Luthor like the first big Lex Luthor that I I knew but there's not a lot to him as a villain no he wants land (laughs) yeah he is very one note it's not like watching challenge of the super friends where he's leading the legion of doom and he's got like this really complex backstory where he knew superboy superman as a kid and 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 all that it's just he's just a he's a bond villain essentially yeah i think with me i think i love him because he's gene hackman rather than his particular lex Luthor, especially as you know i'm a john shay kind of guy the burn era sort of I, I I don't blame you at all. John Shea is one of my favorites, um, um, as as far as live action is concerned. Yeah. Um, but it but I just as an adult like watching Hackman and Beatty bouncing off of each other because yeah. they have a really weird dynamic that I don't understand. Uh, and their escape is both funny and sad at the same time because of he just he just abandons Otis. Yeah. <laughs> Just leaves him to rot in prison. He did do bunny ears behind his head, though, and that's an instant <laughs> done with this guy. <laughs> but yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I suppose at least in the Donner cut, you do get a scene of them back in prison together towards the end. But yeah, I, I, I will say this: um, if I had the choice between Otis and Miss Tessmacher, I'd uh, I'd probably choose Miss Tessmacher yeah. as well. Um, I mean, to be fair, he was pulling the whole balloon down. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's some lovely cut jump cuts in this, like Otis falls, and then we cut to Niagara Falls. We got a bit later where Lex says he wants Australia, and then you cut to Australia on a globe. There's some lovely little using that as yeah, a they, jumping point to go into the next scene. The the pacing is wonky, but the editing isn't bad. No, uh, I, I know that seems like kind of dim- like that. Those two statements are at odds with each other. Um, but Lester, 
Lester definitely had a, a, a different uh, take on it. Um, I don't know if it was because he's like, this is a comic book. We can be a little sillier with it. Uh, and to be fair on this movie, he was filling in gaps. Yeah. Uh, so he was working with the Phantom Zone villains and everybody, but like all of the White House stuff is Donner footage. And so he didn't really have anything to do with any of that. It was just edited into the film. Uh, so it, I, I think that's another thing. That's the weird thing. Uh, I, I guess another reason why the why it seems a little off pacing wise, because they're cutting between two different versions of the movie sometimes within the same scene so sometimes chris reeve is a little skinnier and sometimes lois doesn't look as gaunt (laughs) and then there's other times where it's obvious that it's a reshoot yeah because he couldn't get hackman back because hackman wouldn't come back without donna woody so they had to pretty much edit around him and then use some long shots of a double and put in extra dialogue over the top which like i say is just really sticks out (laughs) it sticks out almost as bad as that shot of lois typing in the donna cut it's like you're clearly not Margot Kidder, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rule of thumb in this is if you see Gene Hackman, it's a Donner shot. Yeah. If you don't see Gene Hackman's face and hear somebody who sounds vaguely like Gene Hackman, it's 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 a uh, it's an insert for Lester. Yeah, it's some weird ones as well though, because when him and Miss Tessmark are on the snow ski, it's like why that was perfectly fine from what Donna had, from what I saw in the Donner cut. But anyway, I I know he had to reshoot a certain amount so he could take full credit as director. I know that was part of the thing weird well not weird but you know that sort of sag rule kind of thing i will say that the lois and clark posing as newlyweds to expose a scam involving newlyweds at niagara falls feels like it's right out of an episode of lois and clark Mm -hmm. yeah no it it it, it, it's it's one of those things where you uh, you they could have even done it in smallville um (laughs) in all honesty uh in the later seasons and again i love the dynamic between them in those scenes it's just like you know clark's trying to be smooth and he's just like i just want to talk about the sleeping arrangements and she goes uh whatever there mr smith Mr. Smith. and he's got like this really cocky look on his face he goes the complimentary couch (laughs) and it's a good bit it's like it's fun. It's banter. Uh, like it's what you want to see. And yes, you could definitely see Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher in the first season of Lois and Clark doing that exact. I mean, they kind of did the exact same thing. Yeah, they kind of uh, do a couples retreat one in season two, don't they? Which yeah, is, yeah. Um, and then there was the one where they were doing the um, in the first season where they were doing the uh, honeymoon in Metropolis. One of my favorite yep, episodes. Honeymoon- <laughs> I, I I recognize episodes and I recognize episode titles after the fact. They don't <laughs> stick out in my head. I just, I've watched season one of Lois and Clark so many times. I pretty much know them all. It's it's the later seasons where I get fuzzy for obvious reasons. And helps it said it's the best season, but still, um, but, this is where I get into trouble with people. It's it's, it's fine. You're in safe <laughs> company here. I, I, this is a safe space. Good. <laughs> no, the whole Niagara Falls scene, I actually really enjoy. I love seeing them um, walking, uh, you know, just doing cu- a couple's thing. And it's just like, well, maybe we should hold hands. You know why they hold hands? Why? Straight to a divorce lawyer. Again, something <laughs> that just sailed by me as a kid. Yeah. But as an adult, I'm like, that's actually kind of funny. And you see how cynical Lois is <laughs> just as a human being, which is like this nice counterpoint to Clark as a person. We get a really good Superman save 
uh, with the kid falling into the into the Niagara Falls. Yeah, and um, neglectful are his parents, though. Well, it was the early they've 80s. All, they've I mean, already caught him being a dickhead once, and <laughs> they just turned their back on him again when he's trying to get attention. Uh, you know, something that's been on TikTok recently is that people are discovering that back in the 80s, there was a point in New York City where at like 10 o'clock at night, they'd have a public service message on TV saying it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? <laughs> so, so them like ignoring him as he's okay. So let's be fair. Maybe the kid had it coming. Like if he's stupid enough to do that, this is maybe like, you know, somebody like Darwin at work. Um, it also has one of the best lines that I did not notice as an adult, which is he's, flying up and you hear the woman say what a nice man and out of nowhere there's an adr or someone saying well of course he's jewish like <laughs> like where the hell did that come from and you do see that kid get a whooping as well oh yeah she's he's, he's getting wailed which i think they should be a little more like you know because that kid's probably well no the kid's all excited because he got saved for superman yeah, yeah he pretty and... much got rewarded for it didn't he yeah and i just i just love lois running up it's like it's me it's lois Lois Lane, since you happen to be in Niagara Falls, and it's just like, oh, so now she's starting to put it together, and this actually makes sense within the context of the film. Like, like it's it's weird. Like, yeah, we're here, and Superman's here. That's uh, that's kind of weird. And then I love with Christopher Reeve's performance in this film for having to come back and redo stuff. He did not skimp on anything. Yeah, he was still fully committed to the role. And I love how he comes over, he lands and comes out and then remembers that he needs to go get the hot dogs. Does he pay <laughs> for those hot back. dogs? Because it kind of looks like he just steals them. Yeah, he, I'm sure he left like a fiver. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, sure he uh... did. But... <laughs> <laughs> I see the extended cut is 10 minutes of him getting the right change out. <laughs> but yeah, it's a... like, Superman was here. Superman? Golly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just so, so earnest <laughs> it's, uh, yeah and then we pretty much cut between that and Gene Hackman at the fortress I'm gonna say I hate the idea of Lex Luthor in the fortress in any Superman iteration I hate the idea of any bad guys being in the fortress it just never feels right to me that people can just stumble across it yeah I, I, I think at least with Lex he put the, he put the, like the research in it like he was tracking the alpha waves yeah, uh, and I think everybody was Otis for a moment, going, "Oh, alpha waves." <laughs> I it's guess you could say Superman pop. always flies north. Like, change direction every once in a while, man. <laughs> well, why is he flying north to ski? Like, how often do you really need to go there? There's nothing there unless you want to watch old videotapes, kind of thing. There's Although a... that does bring up the thing of are the crystals interactive? Are they only interactive if you're Superman? Are they some of them interactive, some of them videos? <laughs> um, I assume the ones with. Uh, his mother because they didn't want to pay Brando though I will say this about that I actually liked seeing Lara in this yeah I uh, did, I mean I've got a note that it makes no sense that any Krypton Elders recorded messages because it completely defeats the whole thing of jor mm -hmm. secretly saving his son. Can you just record a message about trees for me? What's this for? <laughs> it's like, don't worry about it, just read this Maybe, maybe that's why it's so stilted <laughs> I mean <laughs> but Lara at least there is a little wiggle room around it, and to be kind of like you know, you know, you are his mum. Maybe you should do a couple of messages because yeah. it, uh, did, it did always feel kind of like you know, what what, what are you doing over there, Jarrell? Uh, just recording some messages for our son. It's like, can I do something? Sure. 
Oh, we didn't get time. Sorry. There's that story Tom Mankiewicz tells of of Susanna York going, why does the mother do anything? It's just, you know, the mother gets, you know, nothing. And he's just like, you know, when the mother's paid a million dollars to be here, the mother can do more. (laughs) So, but I I think this is going to sound probably a little sexist. I think because it has to do with relationships, having the mother there just makes a little more sense. And it gives her something to do. I try to anticipate your every question, Callow. This is the one we hoped you would not ask. But I have to, because she's everything I want in life. And she, the one you have chosen, she feels as much for you? Yes. Then if this is what you wish, if you intend to live your life with a mortal, you must live as a mortal. You must become one of them. This crystal chamber has harnessed the rays of the red sun of Krypton. Once exposed to these rays, all your great powers on Earth will disappear forever. But consider, once it is done, there is no return. You will become an ordinary man. You will feel like an ordinary man. You can be hurt like an ordinary man. Oh, my son, are you sure? Mother, I love her. Lara, historically, really has nothing to do in most of these, most of these, uh, the live action interpretations, except to sit there and put the baby in 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 the rocket uh i mean on lois and clark eric robert's wife doesn't even have a line no uh though ironically if you want a good lois and clark thing there was a 1984 george c scott version of a christmas carol where david warner was bob cratchit and Susanna york was his wife which uh when i discovered that i got happy in that stupid way i get when i get put (laughs) superman stuff together like the episode of Law and Order where Ross Ross Webster's grandson was Jimmy Olsen from Superman Returns. Um, I do like that Lara is awfully specific about how Zod and Co can get out of the Phantom Zone. Yeah, it's just like very specific to the particular plot of this film. <laughs> this is the um, this is the exhaust port on the Death Star of the Superman <laughs> film. It's just like Phantom Zone is impenetrable. Except for like an an explosion. So if it, and those never happen in space. So unless somebody threw an elevator from the Eiffel Tower that happened to have a hydrogen bomb in it. <laughs> I do like because you know it's Hackman talking to her, but Hackman wasn't talking to her. No, yeah, it's Brando when he's talking to, her, isn't it? You know, I do you like when I, she says something like I didn't ask anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish you hadn't asked me that. I I I, I do like that and you know, for, for, for them having to edit that all together, it comes out pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, I, I think the only thing about the fortress scenes that, that kind of bug me is that you can kind of tell that it's a rebuilt version of it compared to other scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like I say, it's there's bits later on where it's not done so well, where they've cut Hackman in with new footage. 
there's a bit with the three of them in the Daily Planet, and it's Hackman talking to them, but it's obviously a new scene. The lighting's mm-hmm. different; and it all looks wrong and squiffy. Well, but, Mark um, McClure, Mark McClure said that Lester, as a director, was very much about hitting your mark. Yeah, like say so the say the line here, then walk over there and say the next line. Whereas Donner was more collaborative with the actors, um, which you know, I, it's like I see both sides of that. Like, you know, Lester is there doing a job, right? It's not like he worked behind the scenes to replace Dick Donner. He's kind of in an unenviable position because everybody loved Donner. And now he's walking onto the set. There's there's no secret that Lester got the job because he shot quick and he shot cheap. Mm -hmm. Whereas Richard Donner didn't, which unfortunately counted against him, I think, in the the no I think about it. Although he does still appear in this film. He's uh, walking out of the hot dog place, isn't he, when they're driving up? I do wonder if they that. tried to get behind that. <laughs> no, we, took I, his, um, we took the film away from him, but he's still in it. Is this cool? I just think it's funny that them driving back from the Fortress of Solitude. One, why is Where there did a they car? get the car? Yeah. Yeah. Why is there a car? And why is it the exact same car and the exact same shot from Superman the movie of the car that Lex was controlling by remote control? Yes, I seems... can only assume the Fortress has got a garage in it. Yeah, I, I want to see that too. It's just like you know, like like everything coming up, and and like like you see like the whole thing forming in all the crystals, and suddenly an economy car just <laughs> slides up. <laughs> the Griswold car from National Lampoon. <laughs> <laughs> I I I very much enjoy the scene of Lois jumping into the river. I I think one one it's got great scoring, uh, and that's a, that's another thing I love about this film, and it's 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 completely this rarely does this happen nowadays whenever there is a change of director or change of creative direction usually everything changes but both ken thorne and alexander courage continued using the the williams theme yeah <laughs> like like it's 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 not like ken thorne came in and, and completely redid the music because you can't um yeah it's not I, like elliot goldenthal coming on on batman forever and being like we're gonna chuck the elfman theme out and <laughs> Which I was disappointed in because they had the Elfman theme in the trailer, so I was kind of expecting that. So it was a little yeah, although I do the quite like Golden Falls theme; it fits that Batman. Yes, but, uh, I was I, I was literally about to say that. Yeah. I go, it, I warmed up to it, but at first I was a little like, mm, you know, because I was nineteen and angry about everything, so you know, it made sense. Yeah, but I no, heard it the... first because it was the um, B side on the cassette single for You Two's "Hold Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." So I heard it before I'd seen the film. I was like, "This isn't the Danny Elfman. What was this?" <laughs> so I got used to it by the time the film came out. But... And there's something that uh, younger audiences wouldn't understand. What's a what's what's a single? <laughs> Let alone what's well, a cuss single? Are coming they're... back, but... yeah. <laughs> cassette. No, cassettes are not coming back. <laughs> well, they're, they're trying. There was a whole documentary about cassettes. Not <laughs> really. Oh, that's that's fascinating. It's, yeah, it's... but um, I also really enjoy the scene where she fully finds out that he's Superman mainly because as an adult, I watched that and I'm like, he did that on purpose. This was kind of his decision. Uh, it, it just he, he knew sticking his hand in that fire was gonna, he, he couldn't hide that. <laughs> you can't hide that your hands are blistered and burnt. <laughs> I do like his little like, damn it kind of moment. Yeah. When he, Realizes I like this, like you know, subconsciously, I guess you wanted me to find out, kind of thing. Um, but I do like how annoyed he appears to be at himself. 
And then he just stands up straight and he yeah. does that Christopher Reeve thing where it just completely changes. And and I love that he goes, let's go to my place. And it's... See, it's, there's, a, there's a line of dialogue there that really bugs me. It's like, we can't talk about it here because Perry's going to ring at six. Like, What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> you just talk to Perry and then you go, surely them not being there for Perry ringing at six is going to raise more alarms. <laughs> That, that, I think that's one of those things where he really wanted to take her to the fortress, and that yeah. was just like his excuse. It's like, oh, we can't talk about it here. We got to go to the fortress. Bye. <laughs> uh, well, because you know Perry's going to call. Okay. <laughs> so, that, look, I got this shiny silver bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fly around the world. I'm gonna get a flower. We're gonna spend hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, getting a shot of me landing in a jungle. <laughs> I do like to pick some flowers and go shopping. I, I I I agree with my friend Andy. Uh, I want to see the scene of him like actually shopping. Yeah, like walking in in the Superman costume It'd to get like, stuff for the oh, for God. the souffle. Well, he's got does, the does he have the little buckle, pocket so. in his cape? Like, uh... <laughs> it's either the pocket in the cape or the burn uh, hollow belt buckle thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I. I really like the romance angle of this. I am on the, I, I don't have like a firm opinion of should they have had sex or shouldn't they have had sex? Um, I think I, it, it happened. It's, it's, it's kind of like arguing about, you know, Superman killing Zod and Man of Steel. You know, it's just like, you, you can argue should it or shouldn't it, but it happened. So we've got to deal with that reality. <laughs> That's one of the things that as a kid went completely over my head that he gives up his powers so he can have sex with her. Seems to be the impression yeah. I get from it as an adult, which is slightly different in the Donner cut. They've slept together and then he gives up his powers. And Yeah, it's... Um, I, I, as a kid, I just assumed that he couldn't have a normal life and keep his powers. Like, yeah, because the dialogue in this is very much, if you want to be with a mortal woman, you have to be mortal. Which is that it's some Kryptonian rule, or is that because you'd kill her having sex? Are we going to slip right into Jason Lee Mallrats territory here? <laughs> or, or the Larry Niven, uh, yeah. Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I just think it, it, all it really does, you know, if you want to take everything, if you want to strip it away and just look at it on a pure story level, all it does is it creates a complication for when he finds out that the Phantom Zone villains are there. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 he and he gets beaten up by Rocky. Um, uh, yeah, I, I kind of wish there was a version where his powers were taken from him by them rather than, mm -hmm. or something like that. Something happens where he loses his powers rather than. I think it's him choosing to give him up when he's not been Superman for very long. It feels really un-Supermany and selfish. Well, it though oddly enough, but, it kind of fits into Superman Returns where he just buggers off. Yeah. When, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I heard but, a rumor that Krypton's around, so later. At, at the same time, though, I was also a horny teenager, and you know, you never <laughs> underestimate the power of a boner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will completely ruin my life for this. There was a great Shannon Wheeler cartoon in um, one of the Too Much Coffee Man magazines, like a guy going back in time to tell his younger self not to have sex with a woman because he'll get gonorrhea. And then it cuts back to the future and he's still got gonorrhea. He's like, you just can't reason with him. <laughs> um, this film has one of the most upsetting pieces of dialogue of any uh, comic book film ever. Uh, it's when they get to East Houston, Idaho, and they walk into the bar and she, uh, Ursa, you know, like throws the guy to the ground, probably breaking his arm. 
when she arm wrestles with him and he gets up and he says, girl, oh, no girl, you're going to spit teeth. And I'm like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the, sh- the, the sheriff from, uh, what was it? Thunderball? Man with a Golden Gun and Live and Let Die. Or Live and Let Die. Live and Let Man Die. The That's gun. the one I'm thinking of. Sheriff J.W. Uh, Pepper. Yep. <laughs> it was oddly toned down in this film compared to what he is in the James Bond films. You'd think in a Richard Lester film, he'd be... I, I do love the look on his face when he's looking out of the car as they're just trashing it. I, I will say, as silly as it is, the back and forth with him and the deputy is funny. Yeah. It's just, it's just like it's just like you don't have to eat anything. You can eat meat and potatoes. Maybe I'll try the fish. And just, just the, the thing. Uh, I'll give you anything that they're from Los Angeles. Um, Richard Lester did not have a strong opinion of the American, the American Midwest and South. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we also have one of the silliest superpowers ever. Uh, super pointing. Yeah. I guess it was an easier effect shot than him throwing him. I mean, I. I'm yeah, not quite it's, sure because it's kind of like the thing where they make the gun float and come towards them as well. And you've obviously got super resculpting of the Mount Rushmore eye lasers. Yeah. And as silly as all of the East Houston Idaho stuff is, at least it's entertaining. Yeah, um, it's not boring. It's silly, but it's not. It just strikes me, and and like the the different powers oh, just strikes me as somebody that thinks that just because you're in a Superman film, you can do pretty much anything you want. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you didn't have that power in the comics. This is a Superman film. It's a completely different thing. So they've got telekinesis and they've got a thing where they point and can, you know, lift somebody high in the air and drop them down. Because well, yeah, by um, the end, they can disappear. Superman can disappear and duplicate himself. <laughs> though the, uh, the fight with the army is actually really well done. Yeah. Um, and, well, and that's the other was thing in that is... barn that the helicopter hit because that went up like you wouldn't believe that must have been yeah. a propane barn. <laughs> it's kind of like um, Kevin Johnson talking about the explosion in the pilot episode of The Incredible Hulk that they just used way too much gasoline and it freaked <laughs> Lou Ferrigno out. Um, no, I, I, I got to say the action in this film is for 1980, 1981 is extremely well done. Yeah. Um, so seeing like Kryptonians fight the military, that's actually kind of a cool concept. And like, in addition to pacing, the tone of this film is all over the place. Sometimes it's kind of a screwball romantic comedy. Sometimes it's a man giving up everything for the woman he loves, but then he has to give that up because, you know, three of his uh, countrymen have shown up. Um, yeah, I think that's part of the problem for me is there's so many ideas in this film and not of them are given enough it seems to plod to get to things and they rush through them. Whereas like Superman giving up his powers for love and could be a, you know, thing in its own right. You know, it could be a three or four episode arc on a Smallville or something like that. And and I realize Donner shot both, but there is something really off-putting about them attacking the white house. And it's a kind of a comedic beat, but you know, he basically makes the president of the United States kneel in front of him. Uh, I like that, oh God, and he just corrects him because it's Terrence That Stanley. whole scene is great. You are the one they call president? I am. I see you are practiced in worshipping things that fly. Good. Rise before Zod. No. Kneel before Zod. 
You are not the president. No one who leads so many could possibly kneel so quickly. I'm the man they're protecting. I'm the president. I'll kneel before you if it will save lives. It will. Starting with your own. I do now, I do for the sake of the people of the world. But there is one man here on earth who will never kneel before you. Who is this imbecile? Where is he? I wish I knew. Oh, God. Zod. The, the thing is, is that as much as Terrence Stamp is an arch villain in this, he's so good at it. He is... Like the people that are committed in this film are committed to their yeah. roles. Uh, and that's why I think it works so well is that it's not like other versions of Zod uh, or, you know, Lord Zed um, or whatever the dude's name in the four, the season four opener of uh, Lois and Clark, uh, yeah, <laughs> who I, I called not General Zod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, um, but all of that is really good. And yeah, I, I really like the president like yelling Superman. Can you hear a Superman where? And then Zod taking is like, who is this Superman? And just shoving the president away and like calling Superman out. I'm like, even as an adult, I'm like, this is cool. This is what I want to see. And it cuts immediately to, and, and I don't know why I like this so much. Reeve going Zod here when like he, he clocks it immediately. Like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> I have been busy getting busy, and I am missing something. This is this is like the United States missing that the Russians invaded Afghanistan until it was too late. It's yeah. just like, <laughs> you, you should have been paid. Like, do they not get, like, you've got all those crystals. Do you not get, like, a satellite feed at the fortress? <laughs> well, he says earlier he doesn't watch telly. He finds it too violent. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was just reading Dickens. Plus, again, we've, we've all had a new girlfriend. Telly and everything like that goes yeah, out. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it goes away. I mean, it's just like, hey, you know, just, I've got other things to do quite literally. All my comics went in a box in a cupboard when I started getting girlfriends. Oddly enough, that never happened to me. I was lucky. Um, I embraced my love of comics all the way through, and then it got to a point where it's just kind of they were in a box in my cupboard. And if a girl came around and went, What's in that box? I'd be like, It's porn. It's porn. It's porn. Don't look. It's porn. <laughs> now, that's how I knew my wife was the one when we. Uh... When we met back in 1999, because when she came to my apartment for the first time and saw all the comics, she didn't like leave or say anything. She just said, "Oh, that's cool." I'm like, "Okay, you're." Yeah. So my wife, when she saw figures and everything all over the place, was like, "You're clearly a massive child." (laughs) (laughs) But realize this is where my attention is. I'm not going to be out with the boys. I'm going to be here. So (laughs) I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I can't be asked to cheat on you because I've got all this stuff. I'm the safest bet going. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, 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 the whole fight. I mean, Lois getting into the fight at the diner is kind of upsetting. Um, but yeah, yeah for, he just... for the the beating that Superman takes and Superman returns from Lexi's goons, the beating he takes in this is pretty savage. It's over quickly, but it's he bleeds quick. Yeah, I, well, he gets thrown into the glass, and it's just like Clark. I realize you don't have your powers anymore, 
you still tower over this guy. You've got at least 20 pounds on him. <laughs> to be fair, though, that whole him getting stripped of his power scene is quite gruesome. Where you get, like you see, it's oh. under his skin and then his skeleton. Yeah. That I... probably messes a guy up. <laughs> that, um, that disturbed me as a child. Yeah. I remember being kind of freaked out about that. And then watching them separate. And as an adult, I didn't clock it as a kid. As an adult, the shadow of Superman in the costume with his hands like kind of going down as Clark is there in the white shirt is really creepy. Yeah. Like, again, the special effects, say what you want about this film. uh, And people can be critical of it because there are things to be critical of it. They did not skimp on special effects. It was it was just I don't think it was as good as the first one. But I don't think it was a either. Um, yeah, I think the weaker stuff in this one is some of the flying shots. Like after he's done that awesome shot of it, the shot of him then taking off looks really iffy. But mm-hmm. you know, it was what late seventies when they were probably actually doing it early, very early in nineteen eighty. So you can kind of let that slide. Talk about actors having a ball. It was obvious to me that Hackman and Stamp and all them love to do that wa- yeah. the, the 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 White House scene. Stamp great. I like love how bored he is when he's conquered the world, kind of thing. Tim sat in there, she's like, "You, you, you, you conquered the world." He's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> so it was yesterday. Dissatisfying it was. <laughs> you're master of all you survey. Uh, so it was yesterday and the day before. It's just like he's playing with a little. Uh, perpetual motion machine yeah um, or, or non is because non's bored because he's he's basically a dog i like non's little relationship he has with his uh the siren he's ripped off the top oh of yeah he's, he's, he, he wanted to keep that and <laughs> terrence stamps eye roll <laughs> terrence stamps eye roll of idiots that i have to put up yeah. <laughs> but he's my enforcer so i kind of have to be nice to him uh them attacking the daily planet's pretty savage Especially non just going through and just trashing things and throwing people. <laughs> I do love that Gene Hackman line though. Right? You know, all this advanced intelligence and they still not mastered doorknobs. <laughs> yeah. And then him you know, like doing the little handkerchief thing. So it's like you should see the White House. They'll be cleaning it for months. <laughs> uh, and Margot Kidder delivering the line, Lex Luthor. <laughs> that whole scene is just a lot of fun. It's interesting to see that, you know, it's just like, Zod wants Superman, so Lex has taken him to the place where he thinks he's going to be, but he's not going to be there. Luther had to know that. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't seem to have a plan B. He seems to be coming up with it as he's going. Yeah, I, I love Lex's bargaining tats. Like, it, it shows the arrogance of Lex Luthor. It does make you wonder where Miss Tessmacher went. At least it's not you, like the Donica where you're a toilet flush and never see her again until the end of the film. <laughs> This is like you told me Superman was here. Well, you know I'm Superman, but you got the best next thing, the the, the next best thing. <laughs> he gives her every exclusive, <laughs> which again is a line that went over my head as a child. Yeah. <laughs> I do love Perry throwing the thing at Non as well, <laughs> and then getting thrown into the into the he gets his head lifted up into yeah. Let's face it, those ceiling tiles are pretty much usually always foam. And then you have probably one of the greatest moments of every Superman, any Superman film ever. The way, you know, him going to the fortress, like, okay, how did you survive walking back to the fortress? One, let's... Two, Lois had the car. She didn't give him a lift back. (laughs) She didn't say, you take the car, I'll find another way. (laughs) Because, you know... 
Time is an airport. Kind of Mark. Made me want to try and get Superman back quick. <laughs> um, as a kid, I never understood why he yelled "father." Um, it's weird that they kind of left that in, uh, where they made all those other changes, because him finding the green crystal is not what was originally filmed. Yeah. So it's uh kind of weird and it's one of the only times where i think uh reeve is kind of over egging the pudding with his acting yeah with- that, I've, I've got that note the clark spin and scream of father is a little bit much yeah <laughs> maybe he was just having a bad day on set and well i think just- from what i can gather they filmed all of the brando stuff first mm-hmm. so that would have been very early christopher reeve so he possibly hadn't had time to sort of mellow into the performance and the role kind of thing and but then you have him uh, one of the best bits of the score of the theme coming up and the the magazine the newspapers flying off because he flies by comes up and like a boss general would you care to step outside love that line there is just like (laughs) and he's just he's got his arms crossed and it's just like i just love a superman reeve superman is like everybody's friend right he's the guy that say you know he, he 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 doesn't like throw the criminal who's going up the building down. He is kind of playful with him. Yeah. Uh, and even when he chases the guys who the cops were chasing and he gets hit with the crowbar, he's like bad vibrations. <laughs> it's funny to see him just like, Nope, Nope. All that's we're not, we're, we're not messing around. We're, we're taking care of this right now. I'm stopping all of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I adore that line. It's, delivered perfectly it's just the oh kind of moment mm-hmm. yeah this is how we know he's back kind of thing um i will say lorene lois's co-worker is awfully keen on superman not surviving yeah the big one's just as strong as superman i would have hit her too if i was <laughs> lois then when superman gets crushed by the bus she's got an awfully like sociopathic look on her face going yeah like what, what happened did did you like ask him out and he said no? I mean, is, is there some is there some backstory here that I'm not aware of? And uh, unfortunately, the Metropolis fight is both the best and the worst of the film. Uh, There's a lot because, of Superman standing around watching stuff happen just so they can show off what they can do in the film. Yeah, uh, but it's cool, like Zod flying into the um, the Coca Cola sign or. Yeah, they couldn't show it, but it's, you know, Non and him fighting underground uh, and, and Non getting literally knocked into the sky through a building. Uh, but then you have the guy on the phone laughing during when they're using their super breath. Or, yeah, that, that slapstick, that's pure Richard Lester, isn't it? That, mm-hmm. that really sticks out and it does undermine the whole drama of what they were going for. In that yeah, moment. the guy walking out of the chicken place and his hair piece falls off, and the guy on the roller skates. Uh, it's just, it's so weird. And there is, it is so, the, the way Christopher Reeve delivers the line, no, don't do it, the people, like he's almost smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. But at the same time, we had never seen anything like this on film with, yeah. with superheroes. Uh, they were really breaking new ground. And I don't think the film gets enough credit for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, people, people talk about Superman, the movie and they should, I'm not saying that, you know, like Superman, the movie is overrated. I don't think it is. Uh, but I don't think in terms of comic book films, just in general, 
that people appreciate the fact that this had never been done before. No one knew how to do it. Uh, they did it with a mix of miniatures and live action sets. And most of the time it looked good. Um, there, There's uh, some really good dialogue in that scene, like Zod clocking that Superman cares about these people yeah. and that's how he can get to them. I'm like, that's, that's really good. That's really well done. Well, although you do have the woman with the baby who just stands there screaming, my yeah. baby. Like, just walk away. You might want to move. This is the problem when you got a Superman, is people just become apathetic to saving themselves. Just like, yeah, Superman will get me. And there's some weird ADR when, when Superman puts the thing over Nod. He's caged Nod. Yeah, lady, we could see that. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's it... not like he's going to hold it. <laughs> so... Um. And then you know he Superman fled. I don't believe you. Um, really hitting that mark, Jackie. Uh, I think that was a reshoot, and he was probably just annoyed that he had to do it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. Was Superman's plan that he knew Lex had taken him to the fortress? How did he know that Lex had been to the fortress? What was the goal there? There is a lot of. There is a lot of things happening with absolutely no explanation uh, at the end of this film. Them, like we're like him figuring, him going to the fortress. Maybe that he they he'd figure out that there's something Kryptonian. Um, I do like how arrogant Zod is when they get there. It's just like scruffy, and he's just like dog and Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> like what are you a hipster it's just like no style at all <laughs> and you've got the awful Lex double and coming down the thing ba badly badly overdubbed lines and <laughs> one more step for mankind <laughs> and yeah and and then we get the infamous cellophane S which, which was a mild inconvenience yes <laughs> every time I watch that post family go I'm like yeah yeah, I yeah, showed you. It's, it's 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 like one of those things where sometimes Family Guy will make fun of something and maybe it's a little mean spirited, and I'm like, nope, that's totally that. It, like none of this makes sense. The whole disappearing thing doesn't make any sense. I will like, say, as a kid, that cellophane S, I thought really cool. Um, I thought it was stupid, but I thought it was really cool. I, was like, uh, I don't get it, but that's awesome. As an adult, I'm confused by the line. I used to play this as a kid, and I was yeah. never really good at it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It's what. What were you doing in Smallville? <laughs> we we can no, talk no it up. Brad there hated the, you. We can't talk about this here. Perry's going to ring at six. Like, yeah, it's just. <laughs> it's like, I assume it's an in-universe thing that makes sense, but <laughs> more than likely, um, Superman using Lex to trick the Phantom Zoners is was uh, another part that I like and. Again, talking about the score, uh, the Superman theme coming up when he's, you know, crushing every bone in Zod's hand. <laughs> I noticed they didn't get the freaky skin stripped. No <laughs> skeleton. No. They just they just had the, the, the red thing and the, I mean obviously nothing that happened would have given away, but <laughs> nothing happened to Lois or Lex either. Uh so <laughs> not that they had powers to take away. I guess you're just supposed to go with it at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right, that that's a good point actually to talk about. Does Superman kill Zod? Because the Snyder Bros always like to point to this when people say about him killing Zod in Man of Steel. 
like they're the same thing. Where do you stand on that? Obviously, in the Donner Cut, we see him getting taken away by the Arctic police, which I, raises so many questions. I never really, when I was a kid, I never really thought about it. I was just like, oh, he just punched him and he fell. It's like, I, I didn't get the sense that he killed him. I mean, we don't see them, so you can infer that. See, as a kid, uh, I always thought it was like a portal back to the Phantom Zone or something like that. Yeah. Because again, everybody like... always points out that he kills three people in this. He doesn't. He throws Zod in it. Non tries to fly and falls on himself, and then Lois knocks Ursula into it. Yeah. So... No, it's... So it's it's funny that you bring that up because with the 10th anniversary of Man of Steel recently, I was reminded of how the Civil War started the day after the movie came out. And <laughs> suddenly I, I got on social media the next day and I literally watched Friendships End um, with people just like losing their minds over this film. Uh, and it put me in this really weird position because I felt like I should defend it mainly because I kind of felt bad because a lot of the old school Superman fans were being kind of jerks about the whole thing. Yeah, but I've I've always been the, and I haven't rewatched it yet for this series that I'm doing. It's the next one that I'm recording. But um, I will freely admit that I really hated the film when I watched it. I've watched it one more time since and I'm not fussed on it. Um, like I said, I need to rewatch it now with 10 years behind me and everything that came after in to reflect on as well. But I'm also of, if people like it and they got into Superman because of that film, that is awesome. I'm not going to yeah, shit I would, anybody for yeah, loving I was, Man I was of really Steel. happy that it just seemed to bring in a new generation of fans. Unfortunately, there's a portion of that generation that are insufferable. Yeah, so, yeah that's my problem is the quote-unquote Snyder bros, the ones that attack people online and that's and there's a toxic fandom in everything, but they yeah they were particularly the 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 thing that happened and and it was weird to watch the worm turn on that is like the old school fans were kind of the bullies when Man of Steel came out, but then like the Snyder fans kind of turned the tables on everything with BVS, yeah, and it 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 just got worse from there, like yeah. like, like there's a over here there's a a Civil War documentary by a director named Ken Burns. And what he would do is he would have actors like read letters from people in the Civil War and there'd be like this melancholy violin music playing in the background. I really want to do like a podcast where I'm doing like letters to my wife because I'm fighting in the Superman Civil Wars. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, the internet really ruined fandom. Didn't it? Yeah, well, <laughs> in many I, ways, it brought a lot of us together and then it also sort of made these little clicks and niches. And It's funny because... Uh, I, I, I didn't get online until 1998. Uh, I explained that to people who are in their 20s now, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I was like, no, yeah. At one point, you had to make a decision. You actually had to like it. It wasn't on your phone because we didn't have phones, <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 it was a whole thing. Um, and that was when I discovered Superman fandom online, and I was excited because I I was always kind of a solitary practitioner when it came to comics. I didn't have a whole lot of people that I hung out with that read comics. And I was always the only one that was into Superman. Uh, And like for years, it was like me and three other guys at the shops that I went to. We were like the Superman guys. Like we were issued to that shop uh, almost. I remember the days when comic shops pretty much had blacked out windows. And you saw that to walk around the block a couple of times and then just run in quick when no one was looking. (laughs) So I remember those um, days. (laughs) But it, it was interesting because in the old days on the internet, you had to find your tribe. 
you had to find a site that had a message board that you could be a part of. Uh, And you had to create a login and it was a very specific thing. And now everything is so immediate that everybody has an opinion. And unfortunately there are people out there, someone's just expressing an opinion and then they're arguing with them because they disagree instead of just, you know, looking at it going, I don't agree with that. I'm going to move on with my life. And it, it just, I mean, things are so tribal just in general anyways. Uh, one of the things about having friends in the UK is I've discovered that there's really little separating us as people <laughs> in terms of of certain things. Um, but that is like transcended into every portion of our life where we all have to choose these sides. Uh, like like the, the Donner versus Salkind thing never felt high stakes. It yeah. was just you had the people that Donner's the good guy, Salkins are the bad guy, and then the other people that are like, well, without the Salkins, we don't have these movies to begin with. And then the conversation's over. It's like like no one's doxing anybody because of that argument. Uh, You know, I, 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 like the worst it got were the Superman Returns versus Smallville people. That was, that was a, that was a thing. (laughs) I remember, man, there is some really sternly worded posts on message boards around that time period. Uh, I just, it, yeah, it's it just so quaint. <laughs> it's all such a weird thing. I think it's because everybody sort of to, you know, almost quote revenge of the Sith. Everybody seems to deal in absolutes. Mm-hmm. And as we know, only a Sith deals in absolutes, which, which is an absolute. I want to point out isn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's an absolute. But, um, um, yeah. That seems to be the thing. It's like, my opinion is correct. And, we're going to resort to, resort to name calling if you uh, dare to counter that. But yeah, and you know it's it's like even even this film. I mean, the ending is they had to come up with a new ending because the original ending was turning the world back, yeah. and you couldn't do that twice. Um, <laughs> I think the reason why I have a problem with that ending, especially with this film, is it takes all of the character progression that we had gotten throughout the course of the film and just does away with it, yeah. and it starts everything back over. Uh, at the beginning and I thought I, as as somebody who likes stories it always bugs me when stories do that uh, because this this is a journey where Clark was supposed to learn something from all of this and what he learned in, in this version is that I can roofie her and make her forget everything with a kiss yeah <laughs> hi hi how'd you sleep all right No, I didn't close my eyes all night. Look, look. I understand. I... I understand. I sat up all night listening to the voices of reason. Do you know how vile it is to hear the first bird of the morning singing when you've been sitting up all night crying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. I guess it's, uh... Sort of like being married to a doctor, you know? The doctor gets waking in the middle of the night and then the wife has to cope with the fact that he's gone. I guess I'm just too selfish. No, no, you're not selfish at all. Yes, I am selfish when it comes to you. I am selfish. And I'm jealous of the whole world. Now, I'm gonna be fine. You don't have to worry about me.
I like worrying about you. Would you stop? Don't you know that this is killing me? Do you know what it's like to have you come in here every morning and not be able to talk to you? Not be able to show I have any feelings for you? Not be able to tell anyone that I know who you are? I don't even know what to call you. Say that you love me. It's I again that doesn't it's a, I love the scene. I love how both Margot Kidder's performance and Christopher Reeves' performance in the bit before the magic kiss. Um but it's not set up very well. Does she realise they can't be together? Does she is she having trouble reconciling the fact she knows the secret? Is it both? Sort because he drops her off and then she's just sort of like bye, I guess. Yeah, it's it's really awkward, and um, they have a really adult conversation. Yeah, uh, un- until he kisses her. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that's that's always been a problem. Can Superman like, do like, that? Is that like, how you control like, that power? Yeah, it's it's not. It, she goes. It's not even like being a doctor because she. I think it hits her that Superman belongs to the world. Yeah, and at time period uh, it's really weird watching the evolution of the lois and clark romance because in this at this time period it was perfectly normal that they wouldn't kind of end up together it would always be kind of a dance yeah because them ending up together was never in the cards and then you know they got engaged in the comics which was one of the influences of lois and clark so in Lois and Clark, she finds out about the identity, but not right away. And then on Smallville, she learns the identity even before he assumes the the mantle uh, of Superman. And then you have like even a further progression in Man of Steel that she first meets him as the alien story that she's chasing. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really weird. It, it's why I think Superman and Lois did such a good job of it because they just, just they just skip to it. It's yeah. just like they've been married for twenty years and that it's all a thing. We don't have to do this dance again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, like I say, it's just beautifully acted, but just yeah, it's, it feels like there's so much going on. It's like it's and, like they're and, broken up. It's like they're never going to see each other again. It's like. I could, you know, it's a nice exploration. Again, like a lot of this film, it's a nice little exploration of something that deserved more time to be devoted to it. But I get within the context of a two-hour film. And I, I do love, though, after the kiss, when she, you know, the woman comes in and gets her some water and all that, and he's just like, oh, him again. And Lois is like, Clark, you just got to stop. And you realize he's kind of like, okay, I've got everything back to where it was. Now it's not complicated, and I'm going to go get you a burger. But I've got two stops to make before I do that, <laughs> and I got to do a flyby. <laughs> I, I've got to beat somebody up, and then I got to go tell the president that I'm never going to leave again. And then, if you buy the Superman Returns as the continuation of this, he left again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I have trouble with how the film reconciles how much of a memory she lost. She's going to walk out in the office and be like, you trashed the office. Yeah. It's kind of like, 
I mean, <laughs> th there's a couple of little tweaks they could have done. I'm not sure how they'd have got around this, to be honest. The fact they go back to this well in Superman 4 just so he's got somebody to talk to as well. <laughs> but that, that's a conversation for a different episode. Um, I, I, I will say on that, though, um, it leads to my favorite version of the love theme yeah. as a score from Superman 4. I think it's such a great take on it. Um, it's a terrible scene because of the special effects, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you've, you've got to give a lot of leeway. Um, yeah. the, the scene of Clark going back and beating up the bully is problematic but it's also very satisfying as a kid yeah, who was bullied it's one of those things where it's not like he breaks him in half and it's also kind of I'm going to teach this guy a lesson um, you know he's a he's a bully and you know it's just the thing that Steve Rogers and Clark Kent have in common they both don't like bullies yeah. uh I like the fact that he has the cash at the ready to yeah. repair everything. <laughs> and I also like that the patrons of this diner are so used to things happening that they just know just to pick up your plate yeah. and, and just keep eating. I love Chris Rue's <laughs> little from working out little gesture you know, it's, as well. It's just a lovely little bit of acting. It's funny. Uh, I have a couple of friends that are Superman cosplayers and they're both in insanely good shape. And we were joking one day and, and, and 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 they said every time they talk about working out, they do the little, <laughs> they do the little Chris Reeves thing. And then he says goodbye to the, he tells the president, and then we do the flyby. Uh, one of the, I as a kid, I was always fascinated that it was different versions of that. Like we got a different like smile and 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 thing every time. Um, but it was also nice that that was a continuation of in in the th the first three films at least that they had that that goodbye that wink at the camera that George Reeves wink at the camera. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in all of them, isn't it? It's in four and returns as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just because I, I forgot I like, it was in it. So when we did the episode on four, I was like, did they just rip off the end of Superman the movie? And Robert Cotton was like, you yeah, know, they do it in all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, you yeah, know, you're right. I've clean forgotten yeah. all about. <laughs> It's a weird film, but oddly enough, it's the one I go back to the most. Yeah. Uh, mainly because as much as I love Superman the movie, I'm of the opinion that the pacing of that film comes to a screeching halt with the Can You Read My Mind scene. And the film recovers, but never completely. But it's still really enjoyable. But in this one, we get, we just, all the origin stuff's out of the way. We get to just jump into Superman action. Yeah. Um. And as problematic as certain things are, it's not as overtly comedic as the third one. Uh, and it's a, it's ironically compared to Superman four, it's a completed film. <laughs> I, I do like Superman delivering the dome to the light, the, to the white house. It's mm -hmm. a shame. There's not an exchange with the president. It's just that one shot. But again, I suppose it wasn't in the Donna one. They weren't going to get, E.G. Marshall back. It's basically like or, the shot of me, that he, woman. He's, he's always art from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. It's just, just like in that the back shot of my head, of every time he's on, I was like, I see to point that out, art. <laughs> it's like, uh, Clark, you're goofy. Um, <laughs> it's like the shot of Catwoman's head popping up at the end of Batman Returns, which yeah. was done way after the fact. Yeah, because it's not even Michelle Pfeiffer, is it? It's nope. <laughs> they just put somebody in the head, in the in the costume head, and just shot it quick and slammed it into the film. Because they realized um, there was another movie in it. Oh. 
I, I will say this though, and I know it's it's something you wanted to mention. Um, I prefer this to the Donner cut. Yeah, I was I was about to say we've sort of touched on it, but yeah, we should probably talk a little bit about the Donner. I'm the same, partly because this is the one I'm used to, partly because the stuff that's missing in the Donner cut that I love is a bit like the Zack Snyder Justice League. There's some bits in that that are in the Joss Whedon version. I really like in the Joss Whedon version. I did miss them in the Snyder version. Mm-hmm. Both versions of that film for me. Are- I think somewhere in the middle with both films, to be fair, there's probably a really good mix of the two. If if they could just find a way to, you know, a Richard Lester, Richard Donner film and just combine the best of the two. I mean, my like I say, my biggest problem is the problem that's in both of them and it's Superman giving up his powers. All right, it's for different reasons or slightly different reasons, depending on the version. Oddly enough, one of my biggest problems with the Donner cut, uh, which I actually like, I like it as an artifact. Um, I'm, I'm so I glad like, it exists. I'd much yeah. rather it exist than not. And yeah, I am. I am exactly the same way. It's one of those things that I, I am so glad. I mean, I feel the same way about the Zack Snyder Justice League. I'm glad it exists because we at least got to see how he would have done it, um, and then you can judge it a little better. Uh, it didn't change my mind, but I was just like, well, at least I got to see it. Yeah. Um, again, that's nuance, and I know it has no place on the internet, but it's just how I am as a human being. The um, the, my biggest problem with the Donner cut, though, as much as I love seeing the Jor-El scenes and, uh, you know, seeing some of the other stuff that was you know, bits and bobs in the uh, in the extended version of the television version of Superman 2, um, it's not the film we would have gotten. No. It's kind of a misnomer to call it the Donner cut because it's not that is not the film he would have made. Uh, there would have been significant changes to it, to the ending at least, because they yeah. couldn't do the spin the world of thing around again. Um, I think that would have ruined it if you just like, it's like we can't come up with a better ending than the thing that we did in the first film. I mean, audiences would have been just like completely confused. Yeah, because I know uh, on the documentary they talk about they toyed with the idea of keeping it the magic kiss. But then um, obviously he didn't shoot that, so... And they just decided to just reuse the turn in the earth back. And, and and I don't blame him at all. He's really snarky about it, too. It's actually kind of funny to, to listen to. Uh, <laughs> like, he just doesn't care. He's just going to he's just going to let it all hang out. The commentary for it with him and Mankiewicz is, is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but any time like the, the, the commentary for Superman, the movie with him and Mankiewicz is brilliant. So it's just uh, but uh, I just um I like it for what it represents. The only thing that bugs me is when it is presented as like a legitimate version of the film. Whereas I always figure this is just a glorified work print. Yeah. And I I realize there are people that prefer it. Um, And again, I don't, I don't begrudge them that, Uh, you know, I I never argue taste because it's a zero sum game. No, there's no winning there. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Like, like you like it. Okay. That's fine. Uh, I always, I always compare it to liver. I, I hate liver. Somebody could make like the best recipe with liver on the face of the planet. And I'm still going, nope. Uh, (laughs) But that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I don't prefer it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also, will always on the other side of that i will always love it because it reminds me of november of 2006 when i got that 14 disc dvd collection yeah when it came out and that thing was literally huge yeah it might still be on me somewhere in the steel Um, tin 
<laughs> and I remember going through every single, like it was one of the few times where I've ever gone like through every single disc one yeah. at a time and watching everything on it and all the stuff they threw on there. So it being part of that, I was just like, okay, this is, this is part of an overall haul. The thing I think uh, that gets kind of lost in the conversation about Superman returns is how excited Superman fandom was Yeah, that summer yeah. leading up to it. Um, we, we were just, it's it's finally happening after years of false starts it's it's finally here and then we had to deal with the fact that it's not a perfect film i mean we, we talk about it on that episode it was so tied to donna that it didn't get a chance to stand as its own thing yeah and so but the donner cut is all part of that because yeah. it seemed like they were going out of their way to honor what had come before yeah. Like they figured that was the key. That's what we've been missing this entire time. We just need to go back and do what they did with, you know, in, with the original, with the Reeve films. We need to kind of adopt that. And uh, the Donner cut is a huge part of that. Because yeah. right around the time in the comics, they, they, Jeff Johns and Donner were writing, you know, came onto action comics and brought all the movie stuff into the comics. Yeah. Which is odd because I love the movies. I was really annoyed that they did that. Yeah, I dropped off the Superman comics by then. Pretty much sort of towards the end of Mike Harlan's tenure was about where I dropped off. But I mean, the Donner Cut is essentially a glorified DVD bonus feature at the mm -hmm. end of the day. Um, that's not to take anything away from it. That's not to downplay it or anything like that. But it is, it's incomplete. It really takes you out of it. The shot where it's clearly not. Christopher Reeve hanging out of the window, the shot where it's clearly not Marco Kidder typing at the typewriter, mm -hmm. where it has to cut to rehearsal footage or audition footage, test screen footage rather. Yeah, the test screen footage is the one I have the biggest problem with because it's just like he's so skinny. Yeah. <laughs> His hair's just... so floppy and <laughs> why is he wearing a tux? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it, it sort of really jars you out a bit. But like I say, it's an interesting curio to see. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really glad we did get to see it. Um, I think with those things, it's never as good as you built up in your head anyway. I always liken it to, I love Exorcist 3, and for years there was this hallowed William Peter Blatty's director's cut of it. And then when I finally got it, I was like, it's fine, but I prefer the other one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that I prefer the, the studio interfered version. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 hear about something and it can like you said it can never live up to the expectations you create. I think it's ultimately why Star Wars fandom for example was so sour uh, old school Star Wars fandom, not the kids. Um it it's it, it the great thing about getting older is that you start to realize certain things and that for me for example I have very specific opinions about Lois and Clark that I now don't really want to voice because of, you know, you're a good example of it. You love that show. Yeah. Like, like, like it was, it was, it was something that brought you to Superman uh, years ago uh, at Dragon Con here in Atlanta, uh, which is a, a, one of the bigger conventions over here. Uh, it's it's basically geek Mardi Gras. If, <laughs> if San Diego Comic-Con is geek prom, that's geek Mardi Gras. But I was on a panel about Lois and Clark, uh, and it was the last day of the of the convention. It was one of the later panels on the last day, and that room was freaking packed. 
and we were all having it was a really lively discussion because at dragon con the people who are doing fan panels involve the audience because it's it's a conversation even though we're up here you're part of this and i was just like okay everybody what what are some of your favorite parts you know favorites favorite scenes favorite episodes and i and then i said okay what are some of your least favorite and nobody raised their hand like everybody there just wanted to celebrate the show and it hit me in that moment that i can have all the problems that are valid problems from my perception but for some people, that is their gateway to Superman. Like you were talking about Man of Steel before. Yeah. That is some people's gateway into the character. Smallville is a whole generation's gateway into the character. And even Superman returns to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just, we have to get out of our own way and let people like what they like. Um, so I can think the later seasons of Lois and Clark are silly as hell. Uh, with some moments of of brilliance, but I also love the first season of that show. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm gonna ask again though. Just... I, I I'm very much somebody who I will love something unconditionally, but I will also recognize that it's flawed. And I will also, if somebody comes to me and goes, "Yeah, that thing you love, this is what's wrong with it," and I'll be like, "Yeah, no, you're right, but it doesn't alter the fact that I love it." Doesn't I think matter. That's that's where the world kind of got wrong. Is now if you go to somebody and be like, "That thing you love, here's what's wrong with it." They don't go, yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, I still love it. They're like, no, you're wrong. And this is why you're wrong and why the thing you love sucks. It's like, can't we just love what we love? A piece of cheese stick cake is terrible for you. Yeah, shut up. I still like it. <laughs> but no, like with, with everything with, with the Superman films, uh, and two is no exception, there are things about it that I, re- like you were saying, I recognize that it doesn't work or it's kind of weird or that doesn't make sense to the plot. Um, it's why I like watching things with my wife because she's geek adjacent. Like she gets, she, she would watch like the cartoons and stuff as a kid, but she was never really into it, but she's just that far outside of it where she will look at me and go, what the hell is going on? The best example is when I was explaining who Lori Lamaris was to her. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Superman's mermaid girlfriend. And she's like, wait, whoa, whoa. And she literally stopped me. She goes, you got to back up and explain that one to me. Cause I am confused. Are you punking me? I'm like, no, he had a mermaid girlfriend. And at that point I realized how insane it sounded, but how normal it was in my head. Yeah. My <laughs> wife's not geek at all, which is probably the best for me. Otherwise we'd be living in a box with lots of really cool toys around us. But <laughs> um, I, I needed somebody, you know, a bit more rounded. Um, so yeah, she's got a very low tolerance for any of it's like if I put an episode of Lois and Clark on, she's like, You really watch this? Like, yes, I do, and I love it. Feel free she to leave. Terry. <laughs> My wife hates Terry Hatcher so much. Ah. She hates that version of Lois Lane. She literally looked at me at once. She goes, Does Perry call her in the morning just to make the sure make sure she's awake? Because <laughs> I, I and I'm just like, Wow, that's 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 pretty harsh, babe. <laughs> you all right, Chief? Hi. I uh, should see the White House. I've been cleaning it for months. Lex Luthor. Wouldn't you know it? This is the son of Jor-El. No, but I'll bet you're a son of a... Jimmy! You promised me the son of Jor-El. Oh, yes, Your Grace. But uh, what I've given you is the next best thing. You just hold on that little lady and uh, you'll be along. 
See, they have this relationship, and she does all his public relations, and he gives her every exclusive. <laughs> They're the best of friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? What an undemanding male the Superman must be. And you could use a tuck here and there yourself, sister. Wait! Oh, I'm sorry. She lives for now. Kill the rest, starting with him. Wait, 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 don't you remember the White House, the Oval Room, we had a few laughs there? Mm. You gotta have that fixed. I think we've pretty much covered Superman 2. Yep. Um, so yeah, sort of before we go, what's going on in the world of podcasts? I will freely admit I am only up to episode 110 of Crisis, um, From Crisis to Crisis, because uh, I discovered it after you were on All-Star Superfan podcast. Yep. I was like, that sounds like my podcast. How have I never known it, that it existed kind of thing? And I've been binge listening. I'm so close to the death. I'm so close to the death. I can taste it, but I'm just not. Oh, quite... man. And we we go all out on the death. Though you have to realize we recorded those in 2011. Yeah, because it's so... weird because you're talking about Man of Steel. But it's like yeah. you know, Kevin Costner has just been cast. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh. And Jeff at one point went to the set. Um because he was working for a website that he was part of the press. Awesome. Uh, so he got to go to the Smallville set and interview everybody. Uh, I He actually got to go to the premiere, too. And if my wife hadn't been in a car wreck, uh, I would have. But I had to. my wife still pissed at me about this. She said I should have gone. I'm not leaving my wife. Yeah, no. <laughs> still yeah. leaving from a car wreck. <laughs> Look, I love Superman. Uh, I love my wife more. <laughs> so, um one, thank like, is you it not for... enough I considered it at least? <laughs> I um one, thank you for finding the show. I am I am amazed because that you know we started it in 2009. Um and every once in a while someone will pop up and say, I just discovered it, I'm binging through it. And the only thing and the, my first thought is always like, you poor bastard. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and not because I think it's bad, it's just you know, we're we have a uh i i've been taking a little break from podcasting just because real life uh my, my job yeah. can be kind of intense sometimes um and uh, we went on vacation in may it was our first vacation in like three years uh and i came back and it's been really hard kind of getting back into it uh through the course of the summer we're gonna have some new episodes of from crisis to crisis uh we have the wedding coming up um uh, if you're a FCTC fan, you know that we just, or you listen to it. Uh, I don't want to say fan. That sounds arrogant. Uh, if you're a listener of FCTC, we just got done final night, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, you have that to look forward to. That's also sounds very arrogant. I apologize. Um, no, 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 don't, don't. No. I, you're, I am you're excited. Like me, kind of like, promote your thing. Like, well, I, I'm very like excited it. that you're getting close to the death because I kind of went crazy in tracking things down for the death. To the point where I tried to find the guy that wrote the article that spurned like the whole media thing. And then I found out he was dead and I had to check myself because I was kind of depressed. And then I'm like, well, probably not as depressed as his family, Mike. Yeah. So check yourself. before. Um, Overlook Dark Knight is another show on the Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network. Uh, me and my friend Andy, uh, who I, I've been talking about throughout the course of the episode, um, uh, talk about Batman books that not anybody not everyone talks about which hence the name of the show uh i've got a couple new episodes of views from Longbox coming out soon uh and 
I have scripts written for episodes of It All Comes Back to Superman, which is kind of my when I'm not doing from crisis to crisis because Jeff and I have to take a break. It's where I pour like my Superman podcasting itch. I have a couple episodes of that planned out. The problem is, is that I keep having to change my mind about things because don't get me wrong. I love Alan and Rob to death and I love Anthony Desiato over at Dingy for Kryptonite. They keep taking all of my episodes ideas and, <laughs> and I don't want to do it right after they do it because I want it to just kind of sit out there for a little while but then I can't listen to it because I don't want to copy them. So it's yeah, no, it's kind of I know what you mean. I mean, I I was like, I want to do a Superman podcast, and pretty much the idea I had is what All Star Superfan is. All Star Superfan yeah. is. I was like, damn it. But I, but I, but I love that that it's out there because oh, I do. It back. basically means I don't have the hassle of having to make it. I can just listen to it. But uh, you can find all of that at www.fortressofbailey2.com. Also, every Monday night at 10 30 eastern time i guess that's like three in the morning two or three in the morning where you are yes <laughs> so might have to catch it the next day steve Eunice of the superman homepage and i do superman homepage live uh which is a live streaming thing where we just talk about the latest in the in the news in, in the world of superman uh where i roll my eyes a lot and uh just kind of wonder why people keep freaking out when Snyder posts a picture, a black and white picture from his, from his archives. Uh, and that's suddenly news. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and yeah. I also uh, write the reviews for Superman and Lois for the Superman homepage. So cool. Those are my things. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'll put all the links in the show notes. It's quite funny listening to you from crisis to crisis. Obviously I'm still quite early on. So you've sort of like, you had the five year plan and then obviously you adjusted it where you, that I'd split in the monthly comics over two episodes, and you're like, how that and knock on? And it's like it's still rocking on. I love the fact that it's still out there. Yeah, and and it's it's the thing that I would love for us to be done, but at the same time, it's nice that it's always there. And the thing that I appreciate, I say this from the the bottom of my heart, the fact that when a new episode comes out, people seem genuinely excited about it. Yeah, like there isn't like an anger. Like, it's just like, there's like this understanding and it's weird. You know, I've been, I've been podcasting since 2007. Everything's changed. Yeah. I, mean, I love even, when you're like, if you download it to your PSP, I was like, really? That was a thing? Yeah, that was a thing. That was, yeah, I was, <laughs> I mean, like right now is a great example. I can see you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had to rely on Skype and we couldn't look anything up while we were recording because if you started your internet browser while Skype is running, the recording degraded horribly. <laughs> um, yeah, the first few episodes of this were done on Skype before I was like, no. I think I had a guest yeah. who didn't have Skype, they had Zoom, and I was like, I'm just going to have to get Zoom, and it's been... Yep, and it, it's... it's Touch wood, a bar from a couple of issues. I've never uh, really had a problem with Zoom. I also love is no, as long as no one pauses, if you've got like three or four different people, they're all different tracks. That's, yeah. a, that's a behind-the-scenes thing, but it's just so nice when you can control the conversation yeah. like that. But no, I really appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I was no, looking I'm forward to it. Really uh, pleased you came on. Like I say, when I did these, I was like, I want to get people from Superman podcasts around. And I, I, I just, I just appreciate that uh, I get to still be part of the conversation with all these really great shows that have come out. Um, yeah. No, it's also, it's, like I say, I love all these Superman podcasts I've discovered. Because again, it's, I didn't know there were that many Lois and Clark fans out there until like the internet. And then I discovered the podcast. And then from that, 
other podcasts spawned, and then I found that there were podcasts going back even further. I was like, I've got so much Superman in my ears now. It's wonderful. It's like, yeah, it's it, 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 there was a point in like 2010 where there was a bunch of us um, covering various eras. And then, as happens, because it's real life and most of us do this as a hobby, well, yeah, there's know, very few people making money off a podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, people fall off or people lose the desire to do it. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've, I told Anthony this and I told Alan and Rob this a couple, like about a year or two ago, I realized I'm still in the game. I don't know any of the other players at this point. Yeah. Who is doing Superman shows? And what I discovered is that a lot of people are doing Superman shows and a lot of people are doing great Superman shows. And much like back in 2010, there is no competition. There is no someone trying to outdo. There's no drama behind the scenes. We're all just really supportive of each other. Yeah. And I think that just reflects us as Superman fans. Yeah, no, that's what I love about it is that, like I say, it's what opened this whole network to me of discovering, like, digging for Kryptonite, you guys, yeah. all the other various ones out there. And, you know, there's ones you can dip in and out of. You don't have to religiously listen to them all and that sort of thing. And that's nice as well. It's like digging for kryptonite. There's some I've got saved when I've reread the comic or actually read the comic for the first time in some mm-hmm. cases. And it's it's just a nice way of doing it. And podcast should be a fairly chilled thing anyway. It shouldn't be a I need to destroy yeah, you it, so that I can It's one of those things I like to be prepared. I like to have, you know, especially if I'm guesting on a show, I I, I don't wanna sit there and be like, you know, the old Saturday Night Live skit with Chris Farley. It's like, hey, remember that part of Superman where he said, Let's step outside? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you you want to sound a little better than that, yes. but you don't want to you don't want to make it boring or sound. Uh, I'll, I'll do the American version of the joke, and I'll do I think what the UK version of the joke. You don't want to do the NPR like you know everyone talking really silent, or would it be BBC Two or BBC Four where you have like the really like soft spoken BBC Four is uh, our, our artsy. Yeah, kind of like, yeah. Then, yeah. So it would be the BBC Four version of it. You don't want to. You don't kind of want to lean into that. You wanted yeah. to. Uh, the great thing I've always had this as my podcasting thing. I just want it to sound like a conversation. Yeah, uh, and it's great that I keep finding people that feel the same way. Yeah, no, it's it comes across really well. I, like I say, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's easy to like accidentally listen. Hundred and ten episodes. episodes. Jesus, that's a lot of. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, I recorded and edited them, uh, but once an episode's out, I kind of forget about it, which is the other funny thing is that when people discover the show, they'll tell me something I said back in 2011, and I'm like... Yeah, it must be <laughs> weird when you get an email going, in this in episode 50 or whatever, you said this, and that's technically not true. This is what you're like. <laughs> Or people get upset about me because I make fun of Walker, Texas Ranger. It's, it's a show I've seen whatever. a couple of times, but yeah. <laughs> So they actually wrote into the show to express their displeasure at me making fun of Walker, Texas Ranger. That's well, one of my favorite moments. You can't mess with those Chuck Norris fans. <laughs> no, you can't. But no, thank you so much for having me. I no, really thanks for coming it. on and talking Superman 2 with me. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I've been really looking forward to this one as well. It's Like I say, it's, it's almost surreal to be talking to you because I'm used to listening to you in my ears and being you know, talking back to you, but it, it, not acknowledging me for some weird reason. It, it It's... it's <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I host shows, but I'm also a listener. So I know what that's like. So. <laughs> but also like I say, I'll put all the links in the show notes where people can find the stuff as well. So, but yeah, no cheers for coming on. I, like I say, really enjoyed it. My pleasure. 
Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. That was Superman 2. And why not? I'd like to thank Michael for joining me on the episode to talk about the film. Please do check out the show notes for links to the need for the From Crisis to Crisis podcast and all his other podcasts and work. At the time of recording, Superman 2 is available in the UK on DVD, Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD from Warner Brothers, either individually or as part of the Superman Collection box set. It's also available to rent or buy digitally from Prime Video and YouTube. We put a shout-out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film, and we had a few replies. At Cole007 on Twitter said, My enduring memory is loving none and insisting my mum buy proper shreddies, not still own, to get the Superman 2 transfers. At Vanguard on Twitter said, Seeing a depowered Clark getting beaten up by the truck stop bully absolutely traumatised me as a boy, but it made the paybacks so sweet. At the Gothamite on Twitter said, Rented it from Movie Magic in the early 90s and got up early on Saturday morning to watch it. Based on the first 10 minutes, I thought we'd accidentally rented the first film. Watched it through and loved it so much that I watched it again as soon as my brother got up. At Johnny Ottaway on Instagram said, Loved it. Equally powered super beings struggling it out was brilliant. But now I can't help laugh at the selected memory of people so desperate to shit on Snyder that they forget the ending of this. Fun version. In Man of Steel, Superman breaks Zod's neck to stop him killing a family and people were screaming, Superman doesn't kill. Yet in this one, he removes Zod's powers, but rather than just taking him to jail, he crushes every bone in his hand and throws him into a chasm. In one, he cries in anguish. In another, he smirks like a psychopath. And no, the deleted scene doesn't discount the flat-out murder of Zod. If it wasn't on screen, it didn't happen. And Andrew Corns, co-host of At The Revisionist Almanac on Instagram said, I was never a fan of the original theatrical Cut. Then I discovered the Donner Cut last year. Watched it and it changed my entire relationship to the film. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on our social media channels. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or we're over on Threads now as well, or you can join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date of what episodes are coming up and have a chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out each week on Freeview TV. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check out the links in our show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. If you're feeling super generous, we'd be grateful of a rating and review if you have a second or two to spare. Or don't, we're just grateful that you spent the time listening to us, thank you. And if you enjoy podcasts talking about Superman, I've put some links in the bonus features section on the episode page over on hauntednerds.com for you to check out, as well as a link to the Superman homepage. So if you're looking for more Superman goodness in your life, there's a good place to start right there. If you missed any Amoin episodes so far, you can find them on our podcast over on Acast, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or on our website at hauntednerds.com. In the meantime, we're back on Tuesday the 25th of July, where I'll be joined by all-star superfan co-host Alan Burke as we discuss 1983's Richard Pryor comedy Superman 3. But until then this has been a Nerds Haunting the Zells production and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening and remember you got to learn to kick ass if you want to be a peacemaker. Bye for now. <laughs>